It's time to talk about infidelity. I was recently contacted by Curve Media. They are currently developing a feature-length documentary that will tell the full story of an affair. Told in the past tense, the film will explore infidelity and its consequences with empathy and honesty. We need to break the silence. They would love to talk to you. If you are willing to have an off-the-record conversation to find out more, please get in touch with them at theaffair@curvemedia.com. Check out today's episode notes for more information. Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Women's lives follow many paths, twists and turns, and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to make a choice that they can't take back. When facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories from women who made the choice to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, stories of female infidelity. An anonymous and no-judgment podcast created and hosted by me, Rebecca Adams. I was an unfaithful wife. You are not alone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. We are finally to part three of Tegan's story. If you're just tuning in and you're wondering what I'm talking about, Go back two episodes. This is a three-part episode. So part one and part two were uh, previously released. And today we're going to go ahead and finish up with Tegan's story. What we learned in part two was that Tegan and her husband Peyton realized that they were meant to be together. And so they got married and their life was going great. And they had a son within that first year of their marriage. But the stress of being a parent with work and life and schooling took a toll on both of them. Tegan began cheating again, not just online, but with the person she met locally. I didn't see Trevor for a month. I tried blowing him off. My friend slash coworker Natalie died suddenly by getting hit by a car. I fucked Trevor the next day. I think it was to feel close to her. I spent the next two months lying to everyone. I basically faded Utah away by saying my friend died, so I needed time. Peyton was suddenly wanting to be present in my life. I think he had started to suspect something. I had plans of moving in with Trevor. I was going to start over with a new group of friends. I didn't have a care in the world. I'm telling you, to pyramate will change a person. It changes your brain. It made me thin, but at what cost? My husband found out in December of 2019. He found my journal and read it. A complete breach of trust, but it was only a matter of time. He wanted me out. I said no, it was my house too. He threw me into the fridge and held me by my throat. He then punched a hole in the wall and stormed out. 
I quickly let both Trevor and Utah know that he knew, and it was ugly. We were trying to make it seem normal for our son, who was seven at the time. The next day, we had a family's Christmas schedule. We were trying to just get through it. The following morning, I was trying to check my messages when Peyton demanded that I give him my phone. I told him, no. He lunged for it, and I shoved it in my pocket. He was wrestling me for my phone and then threw me down hard on our living room floor. I heard and felt my left shoulder pop. He wouldn't get off me. I was screaming and crying while trying to thrust him off. He was pinning my shoulders down, which made the pain unbearable. I looked over and saw my son's face. He looked terrified. I made myself calmly tell Peyton to get off of me. He got up and left the house. I hugged my son and he asked why daddy hurt mommy. I wanted to break down and die right there. I had told Peyton before he left that I had never wanted our son to witness anything like this. I had witnessed plenty growing up and I believe it has contributed to fucking me up. Now, my son is in the same boat because of my selfish choices. My arm was killing me. I couldn't lift it. I tried to bear the pain, but by the next day, I had to go into urgent care. I told the doctor that I did it by exercising, by doing burpees. That's one thing about being a good liar. You get really good at it. They took x-rays and it wasn't broken, just fractured. They gave me a sling and sent me on my way. We still had to host Christmas. It made everything hard. We had to pretend nothing was wrong. My sister and her boyfriend were the only ones who knew actually what was going on. My niece helped me straighten my hair. My sister helped me mash potatoes. Everyone helped the home-wrecking whore and her abusive husband. That was the story I saw. From there, our son slept in our room every night on the floor and we let him. Peyton kept telling our son that mommy was trying to replace him with a new daddy. I was so fucking pissed. I get he was hurt, but I told him to stop mind-fucking our son. We spent New Year's together despite me not wanting to. He followed me around all night, and I couldn't stand to see his face. I took pictures of myself in the bathroom and sent them to Trevor. I saw Trevor when I was supposed to be meeting up with my in-laws for a birthday party. I lied and said I was hanging with a friend who was going through a tough time. I was with Trevor, but I didn't fuck him. While I was with him, I found out that he had been hooking up with other females without a condom. He said he was single and I was married, so he had a point. I couldn't be mad. So I gave him a blowjob and we fooled around, but no sex. Peyton was mad that I was late. He knew where I was. I didn't find out until months later that he called and threatened Trevor. He wanted us to go into marriage counseling. I said, sure. We started that January. I remember our therapist asking where we both were. He was at a 10 for working out our marriage and I was at a 2. I was ready to be done. I figured our marriage was over. After three terrible sessions, we both went into individual therapy. It was there when I started to see that the problem was me. 
I have an intimacy problem. I was diagnosed with CPTSD, Complex Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder. I should have gone to therapy years prior. I did go to therapy for two years back when I was 14 and raped, but I definitely needed more. Peyton also recognized his role, that it wasn't just me. We weren't communicating. We both had shut down at different times. He didn't understand the therapeutic world at all. We used to fight about our son's diagnosis for ADHD. Once he started researching, he couldn't stop. He then saw what trauma does to a person. In hindsight, I ended up giving him PTSD. I didn't mean to, and I would not recommend it, but it was a way for him to see my trauma responses. He was able to see the connection between my overreactions to what seemed like normal, everyday things to him. I started to work on my cycle of being with a guy and then cheating either because I feared he was going to leave me or to ensure that he would leave me. It was a way for me to protect myself. I never let anyone 100% in. I always had a wall up. Peyton is probably the closest any guy has ever got to me. I did end up seeing Trevor one more time, and it wasn't a good one. I was at Trevor's friend's house with my friend Andy, who was kind of seeing his friend. I ended up messaging Trevor once we got to his friend's house and he texted back, but it didn't sound like he was interested or going to come over. All of a sudden, he showed up with a carload of drunk people from the bar and before I could even see him, he got into it with Andy. Apparently, he woke her up and was asking her a bunch of questions about who she was and how long she had known his friend. She went off. He called her a bitch and stormed into the garage. I was not aware that all of this had gone down, so I was so happy to see him, and then when I went to say hi, and he stuck his hand up and said he was not in the mood for my shit right now. I was heartbroken. I had gone through hell for him. I pleaded with him to talk to me outside. He told me no five times. I cringe at what a desperate, pathetic, clingy bitch I must have sounded like. He finally relented. He literally gave me two minutes. He asked how I was and if I was still married. I said yes, but not for much longer. He told me, I don't want to be in the middle of your shit. You can give me a call when you are single. His Uber showed up and they all left. I wanted to cry, but I would be damned to let anyone see me cry. I Ubered to my car and drove home realizing what a piece of shit he was. From there, it was a couple of weeks and I had spent a week away at my residency for school. It was there that I realized that I wanted to make things work with Peyton. I had been journaling and doing some quality thinking. When I got home, we had non-stop hot sex for a week straight. We were dirty. I'm talking multiple times a day. Restraints, whips, recordings, cock rings, basically anything you could think of. It was the hottest sex I think we had ever had. Then he left for a week to go snowmobiling. I don't know what happened. I don't know if old insecurities popped up or what. My niece wanted to do a girl's night downtown, 
My other bestie had a newborn baby die, and his funeral was on the same day. Peyton was not supposed to be home until the following day, but he made arrangements to come home early. It was like he didn't trust me to go out without him. My other friend Jeannie had told him to do a guy's night with her man. They were supposed to go somewhere else. They ended up staying where we were, so what should have been an awesome girls' night out turned into a shit show. We were arguing on the phone because we were getting frustrated about parking since we hardly go to the city. Then, as everyone was walking up, Peyton got an immediate attitude with me. He made a comment about me looking like a slut. I, in return, told him to go fuck himself and for them to go somewhere else. They didn't listen. I blamed Janie because she wanted to keep an eye on her man. She knew Peyton and I were not in a good place yet. So, Peyton came up to me and demanded that I put my wedding ring on, and I refused. He said, if I didn't, then we were fucking done. I said that I was not going to be treated that way, and I am not his property. He threw the ring at me and stormed off. I walked away too. I really didn't give a fuck if my ring disappeared. His fault. Janie's boyfriend grabbed it and put it in his pocket. I had two drinks when my sister wanted to find a bathroom. I had been working hard and avoiding him. We were all on our way when he walked up and dumped a drink on my head. I got fucking pissed and started swinging at him. My sister pulled me back while he was yelling that I was a fucking two-bit whore. Throughout that night, he grinded on multiple females and was trying to make me jealous. I ended up chatting with another guy who was seeing this all unfold. I got his number and explained my situation. He was a good 10 years younger. My sister and I were going to meet him next door for some food since she was hungry. But then, Peyton came out of nowhere kicking a garbage can and trying to assault me in front of the club. He kept screaming at me and I just stood there with my arms crossed with a stone cold look on my face. I told him calmly that I needed the keys. My sister needed to drive us to my niece's house since that's where we were staying. My niece had already been picked up by her boyfriend since she was so fucked up. Peyton yelled that he wasn't going to give us the keys. My sister shrugged her shoulders and walked back to me, but I stormed up to him and told him to give me the fucking keys. Peyton then threw my hands off of him and started screaming for this whore to get her hands off of him. He was shouting and carrying on to the point that security was about to mess him up. He almost got arrested. My sister went over and sweet-talked him into giving us the keys and I told him that we were done. I'm fucking done. No more therapy. This is bullshit. I slept at my niece's house and the next day I dreaded going home. I had a brick in my stomach. I had to go home though, for my son, for my animals. I was hoping he's packed his bags and left like he said he was going to. I had shut my phone off, but when I turned it on I had apology texts from him. Of course. They were saying he will do anything. He knows he fucked up. He was blacked out. He is sorry, etc. I walked into the house and there were a dozen red roses on the kitchen table. I went to the bedroom and there were two dozen red roses, one on each side. 
I just curled up in a fetal position and cried. I immediately stopped because my son walked in all excited about the flowers. Peyton walked in with tears in his eyes. He tried to apologize by holding my hands and I ripped them away. That year was the hardest. We both swayed back and forth. My therapist had her work cut out for her. We have been through three marriage therapists in the last three years. The first one I took as my own. The second one was fine, but I feel she was better as Peyton's individual therapist. We have a male therapist now. I feel he is able to get both viewpoints. Over time, everyone knew. All of my best friends know. My sister knows. His brother knows. His dad is probably actually the only one that kept us together. And then there was COVID. We were forced to go into lockdown and I couldn't see Trevor. I couldn't go out to the bar. I was forced to spend time day in and day out with my husband. It forced us to get to know one another again. We bonded over the pandemic and then his dad paid me a visit a year into our recovery. He knew I was struggling. He came over and shared his trauma. He explained that he had a lot of regrets on how he treated his loved ones due to his trauma that was never treated. He told me I was family and no matter what I have done or think of myself, they love me and will stick by me. He told me that little Peyton, he's technically big Peyton, has a big heart and is a fixer, that he won't ever stop trying. And I realized he was right. Peyton does love me. Despite the really shitty things he has done to me, I am, was, his person, his rock. He thinks he cannot function without me. When I had multiple affairs, I destroyed him. And then I tried to destroy myself. I had thoughts of suicide on and off for years. I had extreme mood strings, and I am hyper aware of my surroundings. I am able to do the work I do because I have been there. I have so many regrets. I have cheated on so many people. I have lied to so many people and I do feel remorse. I am hoping by doing brain spotting and doing this deep therapy that it will change my behaviors. It will change my cycle for good. I had deleted the app Words with Friends 2 a long time ago and I blocked all those guys. There was one that Peyton accused me of leading on, but I really don't think so. About one and a half years into our marriage counseling, Trevor had texted me out of the blue flirting with me. I flirted back. I contemplated going over there. The next day I had a choice to make. I sat outside the sex shop and called a friend and told her about my dilemma. I knew if I followed through and fucked Trevor, Peyton and I would be done forever. I messaged Trevor back and said I couldn't. It wasn't worth the risk. I haven't heard from him since. I am still in therapy once a week. I have had a lot of trauma to work through. I have gained 60 pounds since going off of the tapiramate, which is causing me to struggle with self-esteem at the moment. I hurt a lot of people. I'm pretty sure I fucked my son up in a way I'm not aware yet. I grew addicted to the male attention. It was a high like no other, that racing heart and giddiness of lust, that feeling of everything being new. I think I was hooked on that. But it's not sustainable. 
the newness wears off. All partners, men and women, burp, fart, have days where they look gross, maybe might smell, might gain weight, go bald, go gray, and maybe get wrinkly. Looks fade. Sex fades. Maybe I was going through a midlife crisis. My husband is a good man, and he is a good person. He's very moral. He doesn't like lying or cheating. He helps people fix things. I help people heal themselves. He has made mistakes. So have I. We are both trying. Marriage is work. I was ready to just throw in the towel, and he was the one that fought for us. He has given me everything I ever wanted, and I can't say the same thing. I am trying. That is all I can do. The only advice I have is this. Cheating does not have to be the death of a relationship. It's the reason behind the cheating that should matter. There are serial cheaters out there. If you are one, then it helps to be honest with the person you're with. It's called an open relationship. If you're with someone who is a serial cheater, the same thing applies. If they are not willing to get help, don't expect them to change because they won't. I went eight years in between my cheats. I am somebody you would never expect to cheat. I am also currently on mood stabilizers, which has also helped. It does feel good to share. I hope I can reach someone or if anything else, at least entertain someone. Tegan. Thank you, Tegan, for your entire story about everything and being so open and honest. I really appreciate it. And there were a few things that you said, and I actually, I think I mentioned something about it in a previous episode recently because I had that uh, episode on Let's Ponder about limerence. But it's the hot, what you wrote here, it was the high like no other, the racing heart and giddiness of lust, that feeling of being new and that you were hooked on that. I know I can understand and I can relate because I was I was the same way, absolutely the same way. And I wasn't much older than you when that started. And so hard to say if we're, you know, what, what it was that pinpointed at that moment, this is the directions that we chose. And I know many people who are listening now can probably say, hey, I was like that too. I, I understand. And I'm pleased to hear that you guys are working hard at it and that you were strong enough against Trevor to say you don't think it was worth the risk or it wasn't worth the risk. And, and that's awesome. Just keep working. You're doing great so far. Keep us posted. Let me know if there have been any updates. Um, and just know that I'm thinking of you and wishing for the best that you and your husband can work through this and that you will get to a point, as I did, where you realize, you know what? No, it's not good. But I think also on that, you have to be in a really good, healthy marriage in order to really feel that stability in yourself. You need to be able to lean on your partner during those bad times. And when that partner is not there, it does make us vulnerable. And not saying that that's a, an excuse or anything, it's just fact. And we need that emotional support. And I think men have a hard time with emotions sometimes really understanding what they need to do for us. So it's a battle and it's probably always been that way. Again, thank you for your story. I will be back on March 5th with a new episode from Lizette. In the meantime, if you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to uh, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams. There's some great topics happening over on that podcast. 
You can get to it by visiting my website at rawtruthpodcasts.com or just search for it wherever you listen to podcasts. And always, I do appreciate all of your support. On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. But I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when he uncovered the truth. The other guys that I had been stationed with complained about their wives going out dancing with their friends. They were sure that their wives were cheating, but had no proof. When I came back home, I noticed that my wife didn't come to bed until after midnight. Several times, she was just coming to bed as I was getting up for work at 4 a.m. She always said that she had lost track of time while watching TV. When I found out about her infidelity, I moved out. To hear exclusive stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship, have early access to regular episodes ad-free and more extras, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as only $4 a month. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. Stories shared will be read without judgment and always anonymously. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is written, produced, and edited by Rebecca Adams. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. And always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. <laughs>